we're actually finishing uh, a series uh, called uh, Spiritual Warfare. And we've been talking about this whole idea of spiritual warfare, and we've, we've said throughout the whole series that many times we think that the battles that we face are human. And so we've, we, we think that they're human battles, and so we take up uh, human weapons, and we're not able to make any progress because we don't understand the nature of the battle. And we've been talking about that the nature of the true, true battle is actually spiritual, and we have at our disposal spiritual weapons to be able to face this battle. And so we started with the belt of truth, which is Jesus. We continued with a, with a breastplate of righteousness, which is the righteousness of Christ. Then we continued with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes through the gospel of peace. The gospel, the good news of what? Jesus Christ. And we continued with the shield of faith. Faith in who? In Jesus. And then we continued with the helmet of salvation, the salvation that is brought to us through Jesus Christ. Do you see a trend? Right? So all through the, the whole series, we realize that it's all revolving around Jesus. It's all about Christ. And so today, we're going to finish off the series, and we're going to talk about the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And the Word of God is this right here. This right here. This is the Word of God. Of God, It's this book that we talk about so much and that we, we put our faith in the, in the things that are in the scriptures that talk about, about God. And so what I want to do is I want to I dedicate the next few minutes to, to talk to you about this book and about why this book is so important. Because maybe you hear and you look, and you look at this book and you think, well, this, this, this is just the book of the Christians, Right? So, so the Muslims have the Quran, the Mormons have the Book of Mormon, uh, Scientology has Dianetics, and we have the Bible, right? And so we, we, we think that they're like, like equal in value, like you got the scripture and then all the other religions have their book. But I want to tell you this morning that, that this, this book is not like any other book. It's not even close. This book stands alone, you see, it's not one author, and it's not just one book. It's actually 66 books. It's not one author. It's 40-plus authors. It's not just one uh, uh, type of person that, that wrote this book. You have from fishermen all the way to kings, not just in one specific geographical area, but across three continents, not in a time period of one year, two years, five years, or even 20 years, but 1,500 years. And this whole book is a, is a united story that points to Jesus. Like it's, it's talking about the same thing, and it's pointing toward the same thing. This book survived the Roman Empire. It survived dictators. It survived the, the biggest atheists and agnostics. This is the, the, the book that has sold the most copies in all of history. And this book transforms lives. Like books don't do that. Like books inspire, they entertain, they inform, but you see billions of, of stories of people that say that this book, their, their interaction with these words have transformed their lives. This is not just any book. This book is a miracle. And so today I want to talk to you about that. And I have one goal. I have one goal in mind. And you may say, I know your goal, Pastor. You want us to get to read the Bible. No, that's not my goal. 
I don't, I don't, I don't want to get you to, to, to get to read the Bible. I don't. And to explain to you what it is that, that my goal is today, I want to go back to a, a movie that you may or may have not, may, may not have seen. It's called the, the Breakup. Have you seen the movie The Breakup, 2006? Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston? Okay, I've never seen that movie, by the way. I've only seen one scene, and I love this scene. There's this scene where, where Vince Vaughn is just hanging out. They just take dinner. Jennifer Aniston, walk, I don't even know the name of the characters. She walks in, and she's like, hey, can you help me do the dishes? He's, he's like, no, let me just hang out here for a little bit. Please help me do the dishes. He's like, fine, fine, I'll do the dishes. She's like, I don't want it like that. And he's like, she's like, what do you mean? No, I, 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 don't, I don't want you. She says, I don't want you to do the dishes. I want you to want to do the dishes. And he's confused. Like, who would want to do dishes? And so, so what she, I think what she meant was, I don't want you to do the dishes out of a sense of obligation. I want you to do the dishes because you are motivated because you love me. And so you may think this morning that, I, that my goal is to get you to read the Bible. I don't want you to read the Bible. I want you to want to read the Bible. I don't want you to read the Bible out of a sense of obligation. I want you to read the Bible because you are in love with the person who wrote it. I know that's a big goal today, but here's, here's my, uh, my best attempt. You see... Look, you don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything. We, we don't, we don't, I want to stand before you today and say you don't have to pray. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to serve. You don't have to tithe. And you don't have to read the Bible. In fact, if you ever walk away from church and you, and you, and you walk away with this feeling of, of guilt or pressure, or condemnation, you have either misinterpreted me completely, or I haven't done my job. You see, the Christian life is not about doing anything, okay? I don't want you to do anything. I want you to want to. That makes a whole difference in the world, not out of a sense of obligation. Doing the things we do should never flow from a sense of obligation but through our love for God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, whatever doesn't flow from love is just noise. It's just, you're just making noise. It's like a symbol. It's making a lot of noise. It's just noise. It's not, it doesn't mean anything. So the invitation, when we talk about prayer and we talk about church and we talk about serving and we talk about give, none of these things will gain you any points with God. Our Christian activity gains us zero points with God. Our acts of righteousness move the salvation uh, needle zero degrees in our favor. Christ did all of that work for us. You see, the things that we do, it's like Philippians chapter 3 talks about this whole idea of living up to what we have already attained. Not doing the things so that we can attain. Your, Jesus already attained it for you. Let us live up to th- this that we already have. And so the motivation to do the things that we do is not to gain points with God, but it's so that we can find purpose and we can find correct orientation in our lives. Ephesians 2.10 says this, we, we, For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, we don't do these things to gain anything because Jesus has already attained everything for us, but we do this because we were created for them. It's important to know that these things that we do are not gaining us points or salvation, but purpose and orientation in our lives. And that's an example of this is the reading of Scripture. The reading of Scripture. You don't read Scripture to be saved. You don't read, you don't read Scripture because if you read Scripture, then God is happy with you that day. No, that's not the reason why we do it. Okay? We do it because we need it for life. To be able to find meaning and understanding and, and orientation in our life. So I don't want you to walk away today guilted into reading the Bible, but hopefully inspired to do it. And so what I want to do today is I, I want to give you three reasons why you should meditate on the Scriptures daily. Three reasons, okay? But before I give you these three reasons, I want to give you a little side note. Have you ever heard anyone say, you should take the Bible literally? You should read the Bible and you should take what, everything that it says literally. Have you heard that before? Okay. I want to say you should never do that. You should never take the Bible literally. You should never read it literally. You should, you should read it literate, literately. That's a big difference. You see, the Bible was written in different genres. And if you're reading poetry, you can't take poetry literally. If you're reading poetry, you have to read poetry like it's poetry. If you're reading history, you have to read history like it's history. If you're reading a letter, you have to read a letter like it's a letter, okay? This is going to solve a whole lot of problems when you interact with the Word of God, especially with prophecy, too. If you're reading prophecy, you have to read it like it is prophecy and not a prophecy that you kind of force feed into your specific situation and kind of make it work. That's very dangerous. Don't do that. Don't read the Bible literally. Read it literately. Okay? Okay. On to the three reasons. Number one, the Bible is a guide. The Bible is a guide. The Bible will guide you. Uh, Psalm 119.105 says this. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The Bible will guide you. This, the scripture, will, will, will guide you. It will show you how to respond. It will show you how to react. It will show you how to act. It will show you how to behave. It will show you how to respond to injustice. It will show you how to deal with pain. This scripture will guide you in life. If you ever go to Ikea and you look at something that you want to buy, like a piece of furniture, you look at the Ikea furniture and you're like, oh, that, that desk looks great. I think I want to buy that desk. And then you buy the desk and what do they give you? They give you a little box, right? So you take that little box home and then with that little box, you have to kind of take everything out and try to put it together. Some people, they'll take the instruction manual and they will toss the instruction manual. Like, I got this, man. I got this. And you put it together and you try to put the whole thing and all, you make a mess. It gets, it's all wobbly at the end. You're missing pieces. You got too many pieces left over. It's not good. There are other people that will take the instruction manual and they'll go step by step. Like figure eight with this and that and they'll take their time. And at the end, that thing looks exactly like what they were looking at. In a way... The Bible is what God gave us as an instruction manual to interact with life. 
Some people will take the Bible and they'll look at your, li- you look at your life and you're like, you know what? I, I got this. I'll do this on my own. I think I got it figured out. You know, I don't need the instruction manual. I'm just going to go about life and do what I feel or think is the best way to go. Some of you may wonder why we are where we're at in society today. It's because we've taken the scripture and we've tossed it out the window and we've said, I'm going to do life the way I think I should live my life. And what's happened collectively is also happening individually in our lives. You see, the Bible will guide you. It will teach you how to react, how to respond, how to live life. It will show you how the world really works. All right? Number two, the Bible's a mirror. The Bible's a mirror. James chapter 1 Uh, Verses 23 through 25 says this, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How many of you guys look at yourself in the mirror before you go to work? Everybody, right? Have you ever been in a situation where you take like a final look before you're going to go out to work and you're like, man, I'm so glad I took that final look. Maybe you have something hanging off your face that you didn't realize until it was there, right? So it's important. You look at yourself and sometimes the mirror will show you something that you need to change, okay? Some of you guys here spend too much time in front of the mirror. Some of you guys need to spend more time, okay? But the point is, The mirror will show you the things that you need to change. Wouldn't it be strange if you saw something on your face that was hanging off your face? I would say a booger, but it's kind of gross. I would say just something like, let's just say a a grease stain on your face. And you look at it. What would happen if you look at that grease stain and you're like, eh, and you just go about your day? That would be weird, right? So, So what James is saying here is that the same is true with Scripture. Scripture was written so that we read it and then we do what it says. If not, it's like it's showing you, it's showing you the things that you need to change so that you will make the adjustments that you need to make. It's a mirror. It will show you who you are. It will show you the motivations of your heart and it will purify you if you let it. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is what the scripture does. If you let it, it will do the work inside of you. So the, the, what I want to invite you to do is that you won't just read the word of God, that you will also let the word of God read you. And when it reads you, that you will respond to what it is showing you. See, the Word of God is a mirror. You've heard it said before that an enemy will stab you in the back. It's also been said that a friend will stab you in the front, right? Which means that sometimes a good friend will tell you what you don't want to hear. Has a good friend ever told you what you don't want to hear and you just want to walk away from it? Well, the scripture is kind of like that. The scripture will penetrate your heart and it will discern your thoughts and it will show you the things in your life that you need 
to change. The Bible is sharp. It will go deep. It will make you uncomfortable. Sometimes it will hurt. Don't walk away from it. Let it do its work in you. And this verse has two promises. One is, if you let the Bible do its work in you, you will receive freedom, which means that you will begin to live your life how you were created to live. Number two, you will be blessed. You will be happy because you will be flowing with, your, with, with the way that you were created to live as a result of you allowing the Bible to do the work in you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this, All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, the Bible is, is useful. It will keep you on track if you let it do its work. Anybody here grow up with memory verses? Like, like in Sunday school, and memory verses? Memory verses are good, right? As long as you understand that if you memorize... I used to think that if I memorize verses, that God was happy with me. Oh, you got those verses. You learned these. Like, I've, like God, almost like, the, like memorizing the verses were an end in themselves, and you got extra credit with God because you memorized those verses. Now, nothing against memorizing verses. I think memorizing Scripture is great, and it's helpful. But that is not the purpose of Scripture. I've shared this story before. I can't remember where I, I heard it, but it's this whole idea of this dad. He goes upstairs and he talks to his kids and he says, hey, kids, your room is a mess. You need to clean your mess. You need to do three things. Number one, vacuum. Number two, make your beds. Number three, put your toys away. I'm going to leave. I'm going to be back in an hour. That room better be clean. The dad leaves. He comes back. The kids did nothing. The room is exactly the same. And he's like, why didn't you clean your room? I told you to clean your room. And they're like, no, no, we didn't do it. Why didn't you do it? No, we stopped. We did, yes, we didn't do it, but we, we memorized what you told us, though. You said, you said vacuum, you said put the toys away, and you said make your bed. Okay. That wasn't the point. Though. Yeah, yeah, but we even wrote a song about it. This song is so great. You're going to love this song. He's like, fine, great song, but that wasn't why I told you what I told you. The reason why I gave you the instruction was so that you would do what I asked you to do. See, we can do the same thing with Scripture. Memorization is great, but the, 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 the purpose of Scripture is that it will be a mirror that will show you and it will penetrate and you will respond to what the Bible is asking of you or to what God is asking you to do through the Scripture. Um, so, the Bible's a guide. The Bible is a mirror. And then number three, the Bible is a story. The Bible is a story. This is my favorite one. You see, the Bible is a, is a story. This is, it is a unified story that leads to Jesus. One of the biggest challenges that I, I had when facing the, the scriptures, it was intimidating. I was like, man, this is so many pages and so many stories. Like, y'all would read, I would read a part and I'm like, have you ever... Have you ever walked into the middle of a movie? Like you just walk in the middle of the movie and you're like, what? Like who's that guy? Like what are they doing? Like why did he kill her? Weren't they together? Like what happened over here? And like, you're like confused? Well, that's how it was with the scriptures. I would open up the scripture and I'm like, I don't even know what happened before or after. Who's this guy? Like why did, what? And so when I understood that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus, it was very helpful because I had context. 
I understood. One way of looking at the Bible is, is three parts. Genesis 1, we had it. Like we had relationship with God. We were, we were, we were connected with, 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 with God. Genesis chapter 3, we broke that relationship, right? We're in the process of recuperating it. And then Revelation chapter 21 is when we get it back. Another way of looking at it is, is the Old Testament is an announcement of Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, right? The, the Gospels is an announcement of Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And then the rest of the New Testament and to our present period of time is Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. That, that's the overarching um, storyline of the whole Bible. But it's essentially a love story. It's essentially a love story. And I, I was reading a book the other day that illustrated something that was helpful for me and maybe for you to also understand the Bible. And it's a story of this guy who was watching a movie. He's watching a movie, and there's a scene in the movie where the, the, this couple comes together. They're, they come together uh, at LAX, and they're, they're coming together, and they're embracing uh, in baggage claim. And so they come together, and they're just this big embrace. And then this guy watching the movie, he's just sobbing. He's, he's crying. He can't even breathe. He's so sad, you know. And this friend walks in. He's like, dude, what, what are you crying about? Like, what, like, people always embrace in baggage claim. It's like just, it's a normal thing. Everybody does that. And then the friend says, if you knew the story, you'd be crying just like me. If, if you knew that they were married and then she was unfaithful to him and then they decided to part ways and then they decided they, they weren't going to see each other, they were only going to communicate through, through, through letters for this time period, and they were going to put their love to the test. And if their love grew through letters, that they might reconsider coming back together. And in this time period, their love started to grow and started to grow and started to grow through these letters and reading these letters until finally this moment, after two years, they come together and they embrace. And the friend's like, man, that's a great story. You see, in a way, that's the story of the scripture as well. You see, we were together with God in the beginning. And then we weren't faithful to God. We walked away. We did our own thing. And then God decided to, to communicate with us through his word, through these letters, through this connection. This is why I love this book so much. Because the more I read it, the more I love Jesus. And I know that there, there will come a day. There will, will come a day. Where we will come back together and humanity will be restored and we'll be able to embrace because all things have come back and been restored. And so this is, these things are helpful for us to be able to understand. So I want to invite you today to, to seriously consider meditating on the scripture daily. You see, the Bible is a guide. It will show you the way. The Bible is a mirror. It will show you who you are. And the Bible is a story, and it will place you in the unfolding story of the world. As we were interviewing for uh, candidates for our youth ministry director position, there was one candidate that I talked to, and I asked him this question. I said, 
what's the problem with church today? Like big C church, like the church in America. And he didn't miss a beat. He said biblical illiteracy. And I think he's right. I think he's right. I don't think in general, I don't know specifically, but, but I don't think that we know what the Bible says. I think we know generally the Bible. But I don't think we really study it. I don't think we meditate on the scriptures daily. And this is not a guilt trip. I don't want you to walk away feeling this way. I want you to understand the power of this book. I want to understand that this book, this book will show you the way. It will be a guide to your life. It will show you who you are. And it will place you in the story of God. So specific challenge for you today. Maybe you're here and you read the Bible every day. That's great. Please keep doing that. But if you don't, I want to challenge you to start tomorrow. I want you to start with the book of John. Read one chapter a day with the the gospel of John. One chapter a day and ask three questions. Read the chapter and ask three questions. Question number one, what does it say about God? Question number two, what does it say about me? Question number three, what is it asking me to do or stop doing? Do this every day, one chapter a day. Ask the three questions. What does it say about God? What does it say about me? What is it asking me to do? I'm going to end with this. My wife and I have uh, had the privilege of knowing a whole gamut of Christian expressions through the different churches that we've been a part of and the different churches that we've visited. We've been a part of churches that are very, let's say, rigid and you don't raise your hand in, in church unless you have a question, right? And then on the other side, there's these churches that are very charismatic, you know? And many times when the churches are very charismatic, which is great, I love both, by the way, um, there tends to be a lower view of the scriptures and a high view of the spirit. And then in the other type of church, there tends to be a high view of the scripture, but a low view of the spirit. And one of the things that I've noticed on this side is that there's an assumption that if there's not all these feelings of the the spiritual feelings, then they're not really encountering God. They're not an encounter with God. And I want to tell you that I couldn't disagree more with that. This book, you're not going to get much closer to God this side of eternity than through this book. See, this book, this this book is, is, is the way the main way that we connect with God. This is a miracle that we have in our hands. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. If you guys could just close your eyes here for a moment and bow your heads. I'm going to say a few things and then we're going we're gonna to close. Because maybe you're here this morning and you've, um, you've been on the fence about your interaction with the Bible. Maybe you're not even sure about this book. But I want to challenge you today to to give it a try. Step in. Read it. Ask questions. Get into it. Get into the story. Figure it out. I promise you, you will be glad you did. Read the Bible. Let it read you. Let it be your guide. Let it place you in the unfolding story of God. Lord God, we thank you so much because we have this treasure in our hands. We have your words in our hands and we can interact with them. 
Thank you, God, because we realize also that if it wasn't for your death and resurrection, we probably wouldn't even have this book the way that we have it compiled today. And so we thank you for that, Lord. Lord God, I I pray that we will be convicted today to take a step toward knowing you more. You've made yourself known through the scriptures. And so, Lord God, I pray that each one of us today will walk away with a new spiritual discipline. Not that it gains us points with you to read the Bible, but it does connect us with you in a deeper way. So we pray these things and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.